This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here to continue our series looking ahead at the Purdue basketball team for 2023-2024, as well as the football schedule for 2023, which, as it turns out, is the only schedule we know anything about because of the addition uh, of new teams to the Big Ten starting next year. So... Uh, before we get into that, Ryan, uh, did you have a chance to look at anything about the uh, scrimmage over the weekend, the Purdue basketball uh, scrimmage? Just pretty much what Jed was saying. Yeah. So I looked through his eyes. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, for those not familiar or not aware, um, this weekend Purdue basketball had their alumni game and then their intra-squad scrimmage because they are heading to Europe. Uh, they leave on Monday, so by the time you're listening to this, mm-hmm. they are probably somewhere over the mid-Atlantic, uh, heading over to Europe to uh, finish their European summer vacation. Uh, multiple games over there, which you can find on uh, some streaming service, of which I've never heard um, until this, but... I, I'm looking at the box score right now, and obviously, you know, we weren't there. We didn't get to see it. So, as you said, um, Jed was there. He wrote a wrote a wrote an article on the site for us. My dad was also in attendance and sent his thoughts to me. Um, but Purdue overall, twelve of thirty-two from three-point land. So that's thirty-seven and a half percent. Absolutely love that. Um, 23 assists compared to just 11 turnovers. Uh, there was no Zach Eady and there was no Ethan Morton. Zach Eady, of course, is uh, involved with Team Canada for the uh, FIBA World Classic or some other thing that's not the Olympics. Um, and Ethan Morton had a hamstring issue, so he was kept out as a precautionary measure. Um, so overall, it sounded like things went pretty well. Uh, Camden Heidi and Miles Colvin both apparently showed some flashes. Uh, that we're looking for Heidi as a rebounder and Colvin as an explosive player who can get to the hoop. So those are two things that this team um, could always use more of. So overall, it sounds like it went really well uh, for Purdue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it just gets everyone excited for basketball season three months early, right? So you can't ever sell too much hype or excitement for basketball season. 
especially with Purdue basketball. Um, like this was us a couple months ago for football season. We were very pumped up for the season when the spring games started coming out. So you just have to keep constant attention on the sports and, you know, you got to get butts in seats, which Purdue athletics is doing a pretty fine job of right now. Yeah. So I think their uh, scrimmages and practices are definitely working. So speaking of putting butts in seats, that is a perfect transition and you had no idea how perfect it was. Um, Uh The folks over at Sportico, uh, which you don't, which if you don't know, um, they basically look at kind of a business angle on college sports. Um, they've been putting out lists of college football profits uh, by school. So basically, what they've been doing is they've been sending public records requests, their FOIA requests, uh, to different universities and trying to determine how much money schools are actually making on their football programs. And they've been slowly releasing them throughout. You know, they're not done. Um, I want to be clear. They don't have every school yet. Um, They're still working on getting more, and the numbers will be updated as far as the ranking um, as those numbers come in. Um, But Purdue was one of the schools that they did get information from. Now, have you seen this at all, Ryan? I have not, no. Okay, that is excellent. So, they are looking at just the profit from the football program at major universities. Now, I'm going to have you guess on what amount of either profit or loss you think Purdue football gained. And I'm going to give you two numbers as kind of a baseline, okay? Okay. Texas is the number one most profitable program that they have received information from so far. That number, that profit for Texas football is $110 million. Okay. Uh, 18th on the list is Utah. They have made profit of $35.6 million. Purdue is somewhere on this list, between 1 and 18. Regardless of what Mm. number you think they are in, what do you think their profit is for the most recent year? I'm sorry, this is from 21 to 22. Okay. See, I I had a number in mind until you told me Utah is not. Right, exactly. So I want to know what that number was. My number... When you said Texas, it was at 110? Yeah. When you said that, I was thinking Purdue was at 40. Okay. But now that you said Utah was at 35 and Purdue is above Utah. Correct. Now I'm thinking somewhere in the realm of 50 to 55. Honestly, your first guess, your initial gut instinct was very close. So according, okay. to, according to Sportico, Purdue listed at number 14 on this list. At $37.6 million, so $37.6. And just to give you an idea, um, looking at only Big Ten teams um, on this list, Michigan is at $78 million, Nebraska is at $62, Wisconsin $49, Penn State $47, Michigan State $45, Ohio State surprisingly only at $40 million. I'm not sure. There's got to be some funny accounting going on there. Um, Purdue then next at 37.6, then Iowa at 36.9. Um, so those are the ones that they have listed on this top 18 right here. So honestly, I mean, Purdue doing pretty well for themselves right there. And Mm -hmm. I I was very impressed with just that number. And you have to think that the increase in ticket sales under Jeff Brom plays a huge, uh, huge uh, 
issue plays a huge part there. Yeah, and my question: so with the Ohio State, are they one of the schools that can't sell beer? Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. I don't because know. I know that drives an insane profit for these teams. Yeah. And especially because they don't have to, if I'm remembering correctly, they don't have to share that profit. That profit stays solely within the university itself. Okay. Um, no, Ohio State does sell beer. They do, yep. I just Googled it as well. Mm. So who knows what it is. Yeah, so there's 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 got to be some Neither shady accounting. Schools, Neither of the Michigan schools, uh, as of... 2019 that might have changed but neither of the them can sell beer let me tell you as someone who has family uh who are alumni of the university of michigan those Mm -hmm. people can drink uh so i hope for their sakes uh they've begun to sell beer at michigan stadium because oh my goodness uh those folks can really put them away at the tailgates and you know, if you if you know anything about uh, recycling, you get ten cents per can uh, in mm-hmm. Michigan, so uh, that makes a difference. You actually see people going around uh, just with trash bags collecting cans from other tailgates to try to turn those in. Yeah, um, they said that they will lift the ban as alcohol is being able to be sold this year. Wow! As of June eighteenth of twenty twenty three. Wow, that's wild. So we'll see if there's just a straight-up riot in Michigan with beer sales in the big house. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a, at an article from the Detroit Free Press from just about two and a half weeks ago, and the headline is, Buy a beer inside the biggest Michigan college football games this fall? This fall? No promises yet. The new law allows for licensing at all Michigan public universities to sell alcohol at sporting events with sales permitted an hour before kickoff tip-off, and puck drop, and ending with the buzzer. Uh, so it says maybe or maybe not, depending on how it goes. <laughs> so they don't even know yet. <laughs> Gotta do a trial run. I guess. I guess. So yeah, I mean, 100,000 people being able to sell uh, alcohol to them. Gotta be a pretty uh, big money uh, money maker for Michigan, I would imagine. Yeah. And so, kind of bring this whole thing full circle. Props for Purdue for having the smallest stadium of everyone you listed and still getting that much of uh, profit. Yeah, honestly, it was I was very impressed with where Purdue wound up on that list. Right. And so, again, I mean, you're competing with 110,000 seat stadiums. Right. And you're what Ross State is 60? Uh yeah, 65 or 625 or you know, it I don't I haven't seen it a number um given the new changes to the stadium with the changes in right. the south end zone as well as in the north um, northeast side of the stadium. So uh, I'm not sure exactly where they're going to land with all those changes being done, but it is definitely in yeah. the 60s. Yeah, definitely. So props to Purdue. I mean, it's a program on the rise. There you go. There you go. So um, looking going beyond that, we're going to talk about Trey Kaufman-Wren today. Um, mm-hmm. And since we talked about the um, – the scrimmage, I wanted to at least look at kind of how he did, especially with no Zach Eady in that game, because as I said, he's he's otherwise occupied with Team Canada, which, you know, mm-hmm. is a great opportunity for him, but also a great opportunity for the rest of the squad to kind of see what it's like to play without him. So Trey Kaufman-Wren in this scrimmage was 6 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3, um, took two free throws, did not make either of them, so you don't love that. 
but grabbed right. five rebounds, two assists, one turnover, um, and is finished with 13 points. So sounds like a pretty good game for him. Um, my dad, it sounded like my dad said he played a pretty good game. He was very impressed with him, um, and Jed was yeah. impressed with him as well. So uh, you love to see it from a guy who, honestly, at times, I think we've said this on the podcast, looked a bit like Bambi on roller skates um, when he got yes. the ball down low. But, you know, he still, he played in 35 games last year, averaged 11 minutes a game, uh, wound up averaging just over four points a game, just over 1.8 rebounds. Um, overall, I mean, I think he had a pretty impressive freshman year considering what he was thrown into. Um, but we right. know that he can do a lot more for Purdue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we've said this basically the whole year, right? Like, Trey Kaufman run, if he's a truly at the five, he's going to do much better. I mean, when you're out there and you've got Zach Eady on the floor with you, Zach Eady's going to be the one in the paint. Like, no, he's absolutely. going to take up that space. So I think for Trey, it really he really excels down low. Um, he's very shifty. Like, it, you can tell that when he was still uh, a freshman before he took his red shirt, that uh, Trevion Williams was showing him some moves. It, it looks straight out of Trevion Williams' book, kind of the way he will uh, shift to one foot and then shift to the other and kind of jump hook over you. Yeah. It, it looks very key. So he's got excellent ball skills for a guy down low, which is really fantastic to see. Now, we just we got to see if he can almost, as you said, a deer on roller skates. So if he bulks up and he can really get that uh, footwork down and consistent to where it doesn't look like he's always just shifting from one foot to the other. Yeah. Almost to his advantage on uh, on defenders. If he can consistently do that, it would be good. And I think he does that by by simply bulking up a little bit. I mean, um, that's easier said than done. But um, when he does do that, I think it'll pay really nice dividends for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right there. And part of it, I I think, is going to come with confidence and playing more minutes. Um, as you said, you know, he did take a red shirt. Um, his his first year with the program comes out and. It must be incredibly difficult to be like, okay, you're backing up Zach Eady now. Um, right. And, you know, Eady plays approximately 30 minutes a game. So you're getting eight, nine, ten minutes a game, and you're the backup center. You're the backup to the national player of the year. And it, it's not that you're it's not that you're a bad player, certainly by no means, but you're backing up the national player of the year. The team is not going to run their offense through you, you know, it's not designed for you, um, so mm-hmm. you have to take advantage of the spots when you get them. But I think he did a great job with that. It was not always pretty. It did not always look good, um, but he. I think he did better than most of us expected him to, especially as the year went on, I would say. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, he only played more than 20 minutes, or 20 minutes or more, in three games last year. Oh, wow, I did so not realize it, that. Yeah, it was definitely evident with uh the log jam i mean i'm counting here one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve at least 15 games he played less than 10 minutes 
So, like, when he gets minutes, he's excelling. Two of his best games, now, mind you, they were against Florida A&M and New Orleans, so there's a reason he got so many minutes. He scored 11 and 24. Like, that's... That that's a really good sign that when you have an opportunity to play and you know that you're kind of when your next minutes are going to come, you know, you're not just going to go in for two minutes, and then be on the bench for 20. Right. When you know that it really puts in your head that, OK, I can go out there. I can play my type of basketball. I can get to the rim do his uh, nice move down low with the spin move um, that I really like and put the ball in the basket. So I think as he gets more minutes, it will really help his game. And at some point, it'll help him gel with his teammates as well. Mm -hmm. Because getting the ball down low to him wasn't always the easiest thing to do either. Right. That's true. So... Yeah, I think Trey will definitely be able to have a bigger role this year just because if he's in there with Edie, Edie might actually come out of the pain a little bit if he's trying some new things. We'll see. But again, Zach Edie's bread and butter is in the paint. Yeah, of quite course. Clearly. Um, but I think Matt Painter saw some good things with Trey and I hope that translates to some more minutes, even though we know how incredibly difficult that is with just the plethora of talent and players on this team at right. that position. Right. And, I mean, to, to go one step further about what you're talking about, his his better games last year, one of his best games mm-hmm. that I remember is when Ohio State came into Mackey Arena. Purdue, of course, won that game 82-55. to 55. Um, Trey Kaufman yeah. played 14 minutes. Uh, three of four from the field and five of six at the free throw line. Also grabbed three rebounds. So 11 points, three rebounds, um, one assist in just 14 minutes. Um, and this is at the point of the year when Ohio State really had like, they'd broken when we played them the first time. And then they oh. had that huge stretch of playing terrible. And they were really starting to turn it around toward the end of the year there. Uh, but they still could not could not figure things out against Purdue. Um, and Trey Kaufman Wren just looked absolutely great in that game. And that, I think, is truly what he's capable of doing. Um, just score in bunches, get some rebounds, um, and and do just a little bit of everything. He does, of course, like all freshmen, I think, need to improve his defense. He needs to be better uh, yep. lateral quickness, work better on a pick and roll on defense. But that is something that's going to come with time. That's something that's going to come with opportunity and I think he will get that over the next year, year and a half. Um, and his defense, I think, will improve pretty vastly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, anything else regarding Trey Kaufman Wren other than um, your nickname for him that I think is is pretty good, which is the Undertaker uh, under TKR. So it's just Undertaker that way, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's all I was going to say. All right. You should continue to call him that. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we're going to take a break. Come back, and unfortunately for Purdue football fans, we have to take a look uh, at the game versus Ohio State uh, coming up, which is next on the Purdue football schedule. We will be right back with you. And we are back. So, as promised, we're looking ahead to Purdue's next football game on the schedule 
Purdue versus Ohio State. This one is going to be in West Lafayette. This is October mm-hmm. 14th. Uh, time not yet announced. It is listed as the Hammerdown Cancer Game. It is going to be a blackout. So you never know. We might get lucky. Might have it as a night game. Uh, Purdue historically does much better against Ohio State if it's a night game. Um, there's always with a Hammerdown Cancer Game in recent years. There's that uh, memory of Tyler Trent maybe pushing Purdue to do a little better. Um, you know who can ever forget that Tyler Trent game against Ohio State with Rondell Moore? So a lot of emotion going on. Maybe we can channel some of that, but. Man, Ohio State certainly is uh, certainly is firing on all cylinders as of late. Last year, uh, of course, if I'm remembering correctly, made it to the college football playoff along with Michigan. Um, did not advance uh, into the championship game, but you know, still, anytime you can get there, you're gonna be returning a lot of good players. And you know, while Purdue had themselves a good season last year, getting to the Big Ten title game. Uh, you know, certainly not as successful as Ohio State. So, um, Ryan, did did Ohio State graduate everyone and they're looking terrible this year and it's going to be no problem, or what are we talking? Um, I'll start with the good news. Okay, good, good. I, I, I appreciate yes. that you're going to blow some smoke uh, at me before you just kind of pull the rug out from under. A little bit. So, the good news is the Heisman finalist quarterback in C.J. Stroud who last season threw for 3,600 yards, 41 touchdowns against six interceptions only. That is good. He got drafted. So he's in the NFL. Where did he get drafted by? I can't even remember. Um, He was drafted by the Texans. Okay. Yeah. So he was drafted in the, I believe, second overall behind Bryce Young. Yes, second overall behind Bryce Young. So... He's gone. That is good. Every other main competitor on the offense is still there for Ohio State. Mayan Williams is a senior this year. Dallin Hayden, he's a running back. He's a sophomore. Trayvon or Travion Henderson, he's the third piece of their three-headed running back crew. They're all back. And combined, they rushed for 1,800 yards last season. They rushed for 25 touchdowns and were just part of a humming offense. That's not even the scary part yet. So the Ohio State receiving core, which was touted as probably the absolute best in all of college sports last year, was um, just packed with all-stars. Most of them have returned. Amike Agbuka, um, if I'm getting his name wrong, I apologize. He caught 74 catches, almost 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr., 77 catches, over 1,200 yards, 14 touchdowns. Julian Fleming, who was like the least of the three receivers, 34 catches, 533 yards, six touchdowns. Pretty much every single receiver beat out the entire Iowa receiving core. <laughs> well, I mean, the Iowa receiving core, not exactly who you put up with as the pillar of offensive performance. Right, not exactly a high bar, but, you know, still still impressive. So true, true. all three of those receivers are returning. Great, Their Just number fantastic. one tight end is returning in Cade Stover. 
36 catches, 400 yards, five touchdowns. They were a touchdown machine last year. Um, they scored 75 touchdowns Holy. last year. So, yeah, they, they that's did like, that. That's like, um, that's like five seasons at Iowa. Yeah, pretty much. So the one piece of their offense that they lost who only played in three games last year with Jackson Smith and Jigba two years ago, who had an outstanding season, but he just faced injuries and he eventually got drafted by the Seahawks. So he's gone, but every other piece outside of him and CJ Stroud are gone. Um, their offensive line had some turn or some turnover as okay, well. Okay, okay, the we- a weakness reveals itself. Uh, potentially. So <laughs> right now their offensive line, um, their projected starters, they have a junior, a sophomore, a redshirt freshman, a grad student, and another redshirt freshman. So a couple of these guys are playing their first snaps for Ohio State. Now, that being said, Ohio State allowed 12 sacks last season. So we will see how that goes. I think I think this is going to be just a machine where Ohio State has some questions. Is their incoming quarterback? It's going to be Kyle McCord. So he's a junior quarterback. He's a homegrown Ohio State quarterback. So it's not a transfer. Last year, he... Played in a couple games. He threw 20 passes, 16 of them caught for 190 yards and a touchdown. So he's basically unproven, and he's going to be a brand-new quarterback. But as with most of these major program teams, you're going to see some just true athletes and truly just really good players. He was a four-star prospect. Unfortunately, not five-star. Ohio State missed on a quarterback, I guess. Um, But we'll see how he kind of progresses and goes forward as the new starter. It's historically been a position Ohio State has uh, really excelled with, especially under Ryan Day. So I think this guy could be a very good talent and have his two years at the helm for Ohio State and probably going to be an NFL draft, let's be honest. Fantastic. Yeah, just, you know, it's it's Ohio State. What, <laughs> what else do we expect with their yeah, offense right now? I guess I really shouldn't have been surprised when you said that, but it, you just hope that they have a down year and Purdue can surprise them, you know, just like punch them in the gut uh, like we've done a time or two in the past. But right. you're not really selling me on it, Ryan. I, the the biggest selling point I can have right now is they have a lot of turnover at their offensive line and they have a new quarterback coming in. That that's the big selling points. Yeah, I mean, I mean I guess hope, right. That that's what you need to clutch to if you're hoping for positive results or a miraculous upset. I I'm rooting you know. for miracles. Uh, I'm rooting right. for miracles. Yep. So. Um, there's not much else on the offensive side. So they're going to score and another 75 touchdowns is what you're telling me. It's, it's looking likely. Great. Fantastic. Hey, 
it's possible to have a swing and a miss on a quarterback. I mean, that's true. We'll see. That's true. <laughs> Purdue Purdue has had uh, a few highly touted quarterbacks that did not uh, work out for them. Case in point, Brandon Hans. Yeah, it happens. So it just happens a lot less at Ohio State. Yes, that is that is true. That is fair. But um, defensively, unfortunately, it's a lot. It's mostly similar. They returned a lot of guys. Um, they had a lot of transfers, I will say Transfers that, out, you mean? They had a lot of transfers out. They also had a lot coming in. Okay. The problem is with the transfers in, not a lot of them are projected starters just because they returned so much talent. Yeah, okay. So, so, the, so the transfers out were more second-line guys looking to find opportunity? Pretty much. Okay. And, um, it's yeah, they went to big schools. I mean, with the transfers out, you got guys going to Kentucky, Auburn, Iowa, Notre Dame, Louisiana State, Florida, Kentucky, and Memphis. Okay. Yeah. So still star studded guys. Right. That said, the incoming guys are from Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Oregon State, and Syracuse. So they had to be high level guys at these programs and then are coming over. So mm-hmm. But, yeah, their defense returns a lot of players as well. But their defense was not as touted last year. They yeah, that's true. They 21 points a game. Um, and, I mean, compared to other Big Ten defenses Purdue played, it, it's, you know, they're slacking. They're allowed 21 points a game. That's, like, twice what Illinois and Iowa yeah, that's true. combined for. That's true. So... If if you're gonna attack, you need to attack on the offense. It's gonna be, it's gonna be very similar to the last time Purdue played uh, Ohio State, where it's it's just gonna be an offensive blitz. So you, so, so you're you're telling you can... me you're telling me Purdue's best chance to win this game against Ohio State is to turn it into a track meet and try to score more points. I think as is usually the case with Ohio State. Yeah, I don't love and, it, Ryan. I mean, I don't love it. Yeah, I, I don't either, but hey, I'm telling you there's a chance. Okay. So, oh, they have a new kicker. Maybe well, the kicker is bad. Well, just just get out your Sharpie and mark this one as a Purdue victory then. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they don't have Noah Ruggles there. I honestly to God couldn't tell you the name of the Ohio State kicker until you said it. Yeah. They have a good punter. He's also one of the Ray Guy Award guys. So, but Ohio State doesn't really punt that much. Right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what a so, great what a great job that would be. Full scholarship, full ride to Ohio State. All you got to do is be a punter. You come on maybe maybe twice a game. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, it's almost like a backup quarterback, how it's said to be one of the best positions in sports. Right. The punter at a national championship caliber team. Yeah. I mean, what do you? What else are you going to do? Right. So, speaking of punting, we have this week's Sicko's non-sponsored uh, punting non- challenge. Non-sponsored. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, I did this to the from Ohio State Stadium. To the Tyler Trent Student Gate. Okay. Now that now they, they moved it. They, it's going to be in the did. south. Okay. I subtracted two for that reason. Okay. Because that's about 80 yards. So it will be 8,963 punts okay. to the Tyler Trent Student Gate. Wow, that's a lot of punts. Right. 
So, I mean, maybe if they punt that many times in Rossade this time around, we'll have a good chance. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned backup quarterbacks, and I think it's only appropriate when you mention backup quarterbacks to mention, mention Chase Daniel, uh, the most prolific backup quarterback in the NFL. Uh, mm. Only started five games, but has made $41 million. What a guy. So, you know, as you said, backup quarterback, one of the best roles you can have, uh, at least in the NFL. So maybe maybe punter at Ohio State is right up there as well. Right. And uh, Chase Daniels, former Chicago Bear, they definitely paid him well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to have any CTE issues in his life because uh, he has hardly been tackled in the NFL. Oh, what a life to live. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he really holds that clipboard. Yep, he's got the he's got you know multiple points of pressure, multiple points of contact on that clipboard. It's not going anywhere. Act, yes, um, I should also mention that um, without an injury, Ohio State could have made the national championship game last year. Which injury are you talking about? Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison, Jr. yeah, junior, yeah. Yeah. So and didn't he collide with it, his own player? Was that the injury? No, it was a. They have since called it an illegal hit that knocked him out of the game against Georgia. That's right. And I complained about it on Twitter, saying right. it looked like an illegal hit. And my brother, uh, who is who played football in high school, said, "Oh, that don't complain about that hit. That was perfectly clean." Um, and I maintained, I was like, I don't know, man, it looked pretty, pretty rough to me. Um, right. But yeah, I, I thought it was, it wasn't necessarily a dirty hit. It's just one of those, it's a football situation. It's, it's everybody's going a hundred miles an hour. Um, yep. but if you're going to enforce the rules like that, you got to call it. Um, so yeah, I remember that's how he got injured. Right. And then Ohio state lost by one point to Georgia in the beach bowl. I'd forgotten it was that close. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Had it not been for that hit, we might have seen a very different national champion. True, true. Because I mean, he he's just incredibly talented. He's just yeah. what a, what a great wide receiver. Yeah. Huh. And all this is to say, there's going to be a lot of aggravated Ohio State players with a large chip on their shoulder yeah. this season. Yeah. I mean, it's just different. You hate to give them any credit, but Ohio State runs a great program. Um, and, you know, it's different for them when they get that far and don't win versus, you know, they look at that as a disappointment versus Purdue gets to the Big Ten title game and we lose. And, yeah, it stinks and we're disappointed, but, you know, we're just thrilled to be there. Um, right. And we're we're looking to that as a springboard to try to build on for the future, whereas Ohio State looks at that season as a failure because of how they lost and where they lost. So it, it shows you the difference between the two programs. Um, but that doesn't mean Purdue doesn't have a chance in this game. We've seen throughout the last, you know, even decade, decade and a half, Purdue has often done really well against Ohio State, um, whether that be at home or in uh, in Columbus. They've done really well. They've won, I think, more games against Ohio State than anybody else in the Big Ten over the last 15 years. Yep. So, you know, we, we've always got a puncher's chance against them for whatever reason. I'm not sure why that ends up being the case. Um 
but I always enjoy playing them. I would love for this to be a night game just for the atmosphere um, coming in to Ross Aid Stadium. I would love uh, to get them at night just to give Purdue a little bit more uh, of an opportunity to win this game because we seem to do much better um, against them at night. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, whatever you have to do, Purdue, to make that happen, I'm sure everyone will appreciate the national coverage of that game. And, you know, however you get your fans as hyped as they need to be, whatever we got to do. Yeah, yeah. Give them a fighting chance. And this this may be related to the Ohio State game. I guess we don't really know um, because we don't know when it's going to be time-wise and we don't know what channel it's going to be on. I was talking to my wife um, either today or yesterday. Uh, I, I have Comcast, also known as Xfinity, for my cable provider, um, mm-hmm. and, and they are the, the folks that also own Peacock, the streaming service that is now part of the Big Ten Media yep. Rights package. And it had previously been included in my cable package um, just kind of as a perk, um, but they ended that. And so, this year. yeah, and, and so I no longer have it for free. So if I want it, I have to pay for it now. And I realized, I was like, oh, man, there's in, there's inevitably going to be a Purdue football or basketball game on Peacock uh, this coming year. So I'm going to have to dis- subscribe to Peacock. And whether that yeah. be the Ohio State game or another game, uh, I'm going to have to actually pay for Peacock, which I guess is is one reason that they fought to get these rights so that people like me – you know, will pay for Peacock because otherwise there's no chance I'm paying for Peacock. Yeah. Well, we here on the Boiler Alert podcast don't share our login information. <laughs> wink, wink, hit me up. So we're, we're very good uh, patrons of Universal. Hey, listen, listen, uh, I get paid via, uh, via an I-9, so I can take this off as a business expense. Uh, because right. I need I need to watch these games in order to uh, to write about them to talk about them so um, I can include the payment of Peacock as a business expense. Yeah, you might as well add Paramount Plus in that and Fox Sports on the go. Yeah, whatever premium exactly service they had. I might I might just update my cable package um, to include <laughs> everything and and just write it off on my taxes. So we'll see. Um, but you know, Ryan, you got to keep in touch with the players who go to the NFL. That's get right. Sunday yeah. ticket. Yep. There you go. That's what I should do. Just get to get to YouTube TV. Go and be like, I need to subscribe to Sunday Ticket. Write it off as a business expense. Um, you know, the government might be paying me at that point, um, based on go. what I make for this podcast. So, um, <laughs> anything else we need to know about Ohio State other than it's going to be a terrifying offense? Um, no. No, Brody's right. Buckeye is creepy. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's just a nut. It's yep. it's all he is. Um, my Some days you feel like a nut. That's what they say. Sometimes you don't. Um, yeah. My as I said, you know, I have family who are all Michigan grads. I had a an uncle who played for the University of Michigan on their football team. Um, mm-hmm. Later went on to play for the Buffalo Bills. And so that whole side of the family is uh, is obviously Michigan fans. Um, but my grandpa. Um, who his daughter married the Michigan football player. Um, he was always an Ohio State fan, which was an interesting little, um, you know, connection for the two of them. But he, you know, they would always joke with my grandpa that what is a Buckeye? It's just a worthless, hairless nut. 
<laughs> so, um, you know, it was always that's always been a little bit a part of the Ledman family. Um, you know, you got the Michigan fans and the Ohio State fans. So um, it's it's always been a good time. I've always enjoyed my time up in Ann Arbor. If you get a chance to go up there for a game, um, it's great. Uh, I've never had a chance to go to Columbus um, for a game myself. Ryan, have you ever been to uh, Columbus for a game? I have for basketball. I have not for football. Yeah, I have not for football. I was in Columbus, Ohio this March. Oh, right, for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That did not work out well, so let's not talk about that. Let's move on, move past it. Um, so, uh, you know, no no going to Ohio State this, this year for football, but um, it's definitely on mm. my list of places to go watch a game. Um, Michigan Stadium is obviously a great place to watch a game. Never been um, to Ohio State uh, football stadium there, but uh, that'll be something to look forward to. So Ohio State coming into Ross State this year, uh, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. We want to be honest with you here on the podcast, but um, Purdue and Ohio State, usually a pretty fun game. Purdue's been uh, better than most against Ohio State in recent years. So uh, Ryan, not instilling us with confidence, but you know what? That's why they play the games, folks. You never know what can happen. So for Ryan and myself, thanks so much for giving us a listen. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, do everything you need to uh, to get us in the ears of more folks. But thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.